We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast, and we are back talking about another class of the NBA draft prospects. Um, throughout this draft prospect process, our presenting sponsor will be BetUS. And with the NBA playoffs here, if you need a place to wager, BetUS is a spot. They've got great payouts, industries, biggest bonuses, and every bet type you can dream of. You can join now calling 1 800 69 BetUS or online at BetUS.com and get 125% sign-up bonus using promo code DANE125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. Like I said, we're back digging into the NBA draft on the pod. Wildeberg from the University of St. Thomas. Coaching staff is my guest. If you're newish to the pod, and I guess if you didn't listen to Will and I on the draft prospect last summer, I'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, Will is a long-time college basketball coach here locally at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. And, Will, we were just talking about this before. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny to think about how bored we were 12 months ago, which kind of started us binge-watching all these prospects during the pandemic. And we kind of turned it into a little pod series. I think we did around like 25-ish prospects last year. And I'm not sure how many we'll get to this year. A little bit less free time. <laughs> And uh, time crunch. The the draft's only five weeks away. But I did want to make sure today that we did a preliminary review of, which I think are kind of the top three consensus prospects in this class um, in advance. Today, we're recording on Monday night in advance of Tuesday's lottery. And so this episode is just going to be on Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. We will we'll do about 15, 20 minutes on each of those guys and kind of I guess start the top of our big board here and and see where we're going. Thanks for doing this, Will. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I've missed it. I know, man. I'm I'm excited. It's a it's a totally I feel like it's a totally different part of the basketball brain. At least for me, you know, I, I'm a I'm focusing on the NBA so much during the season, right. and this is this is a, a totally different level of basketball. But yet you're trying to apply sort of the two. I, I feel like you and I are a good middle spot. You're D three college basketball is what you're watching all the time. I'm watching NBA basketball all the time for my job. And so I feel like this is kind of meets in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Before we, can you talk, what are the percentages for tomorrow? I don't even for getting the pick. Yes. Yeah, I could do that. Um, so the wolves 
have a 27.6% chance of retaining their pick. Um, and that's a 9% chance at the number one pick, a 9.2% chance at the two pick, and a 9.4% chance at the at the three pick. So, you know, it's not zero. I, I feel like everyone's just checked out of it. And I, I feel like for me and for you too, like that regardless of if the Wolves can draft him, it's still interesting, particularly if these guys are going to prove to be as good as you know they've been billed to be. If these are if these guys are going to be future stars, I would have loved to do this for the 2003 class. You know when it was LeBron, mm-hmm. Bosch, and Melo or whatever back then, and and had an idea of what I thought of the superstar class or was 20, 2014 with Wiggins and Jabari and Embiid was supposed to be like that too. You know, so it's it's funny. It's funny how these get labeled as a superstar class, and this this class has been labeled as that level of class because for a while too for the last like three or four years they've had this circled this 2021 class circled right and and really i mean not surprised that the two g league g league ignite guys have kind of you know fallen a little bit by the wayside obviously they're not going to get the attention that the the d1 guys have but not d1 but the the actual playing in the ncaa guys but Cade and suggs and mobley all I mean, they pretty much lived up to their billing in the games that they played this season. Not only that, they also played, I mean, Cade maybe not so much, but they all had, they had an NCAA tournament this year. Last yeah. year, there was no NCAA tournament. Um, Suggs obviously was awesome. Mobley was really good. They were a game away from the Final Four. Cade played had, against each other. Played against each other. Right. Cade had a really good Big 12 tournament and then won a game in the tournament and then lost to Oregon State in the right. second round. Um, so a little bit different this year to actually have – I guess more of a postseason to watch watch these guys and kind of talk about them. Yeah, it's different because when we were watching the film of Anthony Edwards last year, or <laughs> certainly the Melbourne, none of them were playing in the NCAA tournament because there wasn't an NCAA right. tournament. And and this the most recent film on all these guys is is in it's that way environment. different than last year. Way different. Yeah, and I need I think like I need to acclimate myself to that, and I probably need to like iron that out through through this whole process here, but. Um, let's start with Cade, and and like we have in the past, let's just do we'll do offense and defense. But just like in general, when it comes to Cade Cunningham, what what stood out to you? A lot. I mean, <laughs> he's really good. Um, you know, there I feel like there are some guys that everyone talks about, and I mean, I watched them a little bit. You know, whenever they were on. Um, but then, you know, you say, hey, we're going to watch, we're going to do the Cade Cunningham pod, start watching like more in depth. And you start watching and you're like, all right, like it makes sense while, right. why the hype is where it is. Um, I mean, six, you're going to do the measurements, I'm sure, but he's great size, shoots it really well, like super, comp- like he's just, he checks a lot of the boxes, you know, for being 18 or 19 years old. And so, yeah, he's I don't, he's awesome. He's really good. I, I think I think that's where my mind goes with all these prospects is trying to start with like what box isn't checked or like what box isn't checked boldly. Yeah. And and I think you know with Cade that was kind of hard to find those things, but th- there were you know and and I think you watch him you have a little bit of a concern about his handle and how that will you know how that will translate to the league how much force is he going to play with when he's when he's attacking the rim, but. For me, that stuff pretty much got washed away when I realized how big he is. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, if there's 
a guy who's six eight with a seven one wingspan weighs two hundred twenty pounds when he's nineteen years old. You know what? If you if your handle isn't perfect right now, we're nitpicking. I'm, yeah, for real, right? Like, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait that out a little bit, and and I think it's just that's again where my brain goes with this as I try and I try and picture these guys of like, all right, cool, you're killing it at the college level. There's been a lot of guys who have killed it at the college level, but once they've had to play against NBA size and NBA athleticism, you know, it, it changes because they're un, somewhat undersized. And Cade Cunningham isn't that. Again, six foot eight. 7 1, 220. That's massive. I think, like, the biggest, this is kind of a, 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 this is a stupid comparison, but it really affirms the point is that's how big Tristan Thompson was when he came out of college. Tristan Thompson's gigantic and a center mm-hmm. in, in the NBA, like, right now. And, and then, I mean, you could kind of, you can go down the list too. Like, Paul George is that size. That's Tobias Harris. That's Chris Middleton. That's Harrison Barnes. He's even longer than, than those guys are. But that, we're talking about that, that massive, wing who you know ideally is going to be able to create and shoot over or through pretty much anyone and he's Kawhi is a little bit longer than him but he's also got that kind of elite length that 7-1 is Kawhi's got that 7-3 wingspan Robert Covington 7-2 wingspan Aaron Gordon 7-foot wingspan you're talking about a guy I guess that physically looks like Paul George and will offensively be able to use that to his benefit, and then has the size also defensively that Gordon Covington, Jeremy Grant kind of size where you're like, we can put him on anybody defensively and not feel not feel like we're, we're sacrificing anything there. And, and really, that is at the minimum a strong outline for a two-way player. And then you watch him play. Yeah, you're spot on. I... You know, I think he sees the floor so well as is. He could be six one and see the floor perfectly, but when when you see the floor that well, and then you compound the fact that he is six eight with a seven one, like he can make passes where it's kind of like Paul George. Like I've watched most of the Clippers games. Paul George makes some unbelievable cross court pass to wide open shooters, and 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 I texted you about it. He just dude, he's Paul George. So much of his game, he might not have quite the first step as Paul George, but everything else, the way he moves, um, the way he just kind of can shift. Yeah, turn. Paul George is like a little bit more electric, right? Like, yeah. Like Cade, Cade doesn't really get sped up. And, and Paul George, I think it's really what we've seen with Kawhi. But even when Kawhi was playing too, it was like, I oh, would kind of need you to be the point guard, Paul. So right. like that's going to require you really attacking sometimes. And, and I would say... I, I would say Paul George is the best, you know, that we're not we're trying to nail down the perfect comparison, but I think that is the best comparison that we can that we can make for him. But there you know, there are there are some differences too. I think Paul George is yeah, at, at what how old is Paul George? Twenty eight years old, thirty years old. He's a he's a pretty elite athlete and I wouldn't put Cade in that like elite, elite level yet. But at the same time it's like it took Paul George a couple years to yeah. start looking like that. And so I, I think, don't I don't know what Paul George shot from three in college. <laughs> I could be wrong. It, it could it, I don't think it was forty percent. Right. Somebody fact checked that, but forty percent on pretty high volume with really bad hard teammates. shots. Yes. And some of the threes are like you know a lot of them are end of the shot clock step back like they're not easy they're not easy shots. He I mean, Cade Cunningham was an efficient offensive scorer was a high level playmaker 
and was a dominant defender. Yeah. And, and from, know, and from on a bad team and from the outside looking in, like seems like a really competitive winner. Like, you know, we don't know him. Like that's the hardest right. part about this stuff is we don't know who, what he is, but like certainly looks like he, you know, he, he fits that mold as well, which is so he, he's got an interesting disposition, you know, like kind of the, like the way he cares. I kind of, I like it, but it's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's unique, you right. know, whereas and we're going to talk about Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobile, like Jalen Suggs is that like yell at you in, in your face competitor. Like Cade mm-hmm. is the, like a quiet assassin totally. sort of competitor. So, so maybe there's the Kawhi in there in, in, in some way, but, but really it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle, like, like I was saying, I struggle to find things offensively that, you know, he, he can't do or he won't be able to do. It's pretty clear to me that there's some things offensively he won't be elite at. Like, I think people have and probably continue to make Luca comparisons to him. And I don't, I don't know about you. I, I don't see that because, because Luca is, Luca is playing with that force at the rim. You know, he, Luca, when guarded by Paul George, can make Paul George seem small, right? right? And and that's not Cade. Cade isn't gonna like put someone on his back or go through someone necessarily at the rim. It's not that he can't do that. He would just rather kind of get into that fifteen foot range and look to distribute the ball or or pull up and and shoot it. And that's that's different than Luca, where like I mean, I think Cade's a better shooter than Luca, and and I. Th- but I think Luca is much more dynamic when it comes to creating within the two-point range and you know finding ways to the basket to score, the craft to get fouled, those sort of things. Like Cade is a mile away from that from where where Luca is there in his ability to kind of yeah score within ten feet. I, and I don't think he'll ever be close to Luca as far mm-hmm. as that goes. I don't think anybody will be on that <laughs> level. Yeah. I do think though when you're six eight. Seven one wingspan, two hundred twenty pounds, nineteen years old. Like three, four, five years from now, he could add that to his game significantly for sure. I guess Luca just kind of came in and had that. He had day one. And I know, and I don't even think that comparison is that. I think people make that, but I don't. Right. It's. I mean, it's the, it's the big, it's the big guard thing, and and it's not to say Kate isn't a big guard, and big guard is as valuable as ever. It, It was. I mean, we talked about this a lot last year when we were talking about LaMelo. Totally. It's, that is, in today's NBA, if you're 6'8", you can see over the defense. You can shoot over the defense. It's like, how do you, how do NBA defenses <laughs> guard that? And, and th- these are the type of players that break pretty much any coverage. Yeah. And, and Cade could totally, you know, he could, he could totally develop in, into that type of player. I'm, I'm curious, like, what – if you're if you're coaching against Cade, what are you trying to force him to do? He did struggle with pressure mm-hmm. when a quicker, smaller guard would get into him and and pick him up at half court or even further up in half court. I think it in the college level, teams do that a lot more than they do in the NBA level for whatever reason. Um, so he did struggle. I mean, he had more turnovers and assists this year, which right. for a guy with who is that good at passing, because I would say he's a really good passer. For a guy with that IQ and passes the ball like he does that was surprising to me and I think a lot of his turnovers came when the smaller quicker less talented guard but clearly his one job was to go make Cade's life hell that's where Cade did struggle a little bit I don't think I don't think he'll have that 
NBA teams just don't do that, right? It was a little bit like when we were talking about LaMelo in Australia. Mm-hmm. Teams did that. They were way more physical with LaMelo in True. Australia than they were in the NBA. Um, so, I mean, it, would be, it wouldn't be fun to coach against Cade, but it would be <laughs> that's probably how you'd have to do it. Particularly in, in his early years, which, yeah. which I think will be interesting based on which team he lands on. At presumably if he goes number one, like is is he going to come in and is he going to be that team's point guard, right? And or, what do you think? Do you think he? What's it, his it, natural position? I mean, I, I think it would kind of de- will depend on the personnel. Like, I mean, let's just like if he goes to the Rockets, like you might as well you give you play give, whatever he wants. Yeah, I give mean, give Cade the keys. Yeah. But there's there's some of you know I mean Minnesota has a point guard that they're invested in in D'Angelo Russell plus another big guard already who you're going to want to run your offense through too and and I actually think so what happens if the sorry what happens if the Wolves get it obviously they're going to take him yeah but then what I I think it's I think it'll be a good thing for the beginning of his career if he doesn't have to be the point guard you don't think that would incentivize him to try to move any anybody else I mean it it might or eventually it, it will but I guess I just like the idea of of Cade playing like as a second side creator or getting a lot of swing, swing, open, catch and shoot stuff. Because I think where he's impactful right away in the league is as a shooter. Yeah. Like, and that that can be a threat. He'd be one of the best shooters on the Wolves next year. The sec- the day he got here. Yeah, I mean Beasley's a really good shooter, but and, and I guess and, I mean the Wolves do have good shooters. Yeah, I know, for, but for all their, for that, all their that's forms. more of a compliment to Cade saying like Cade is right. He's up there. I mean, yeah, like you said, he shot, you know, he shot 40% this year and it was, it was on difficult shot. It was a whole bag of different, different types of shots. So yeah, I mean, I, I think with the Wolves, if somehow that 9% comes home, it's a no brainer to take Cade Cunningham. And, and now like at least for the first year, you start D'Lo, you start Ant, you start Cade as your, your second guard. And I don't know, maybe you stay small with McDaniels at the four, or maybe you bring in some other type of four and McDaniels and Beasley are both off the bench. Like, yeah, it good problem to have <laughs> great, great problem to have. It would, it might force your hand down the line to, to make another move. But, but to me, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, Kate Cunningham in, in my view of after watching these three players, it's not even really shade on Mobley or Suggs, but he watching his film, I I feel watching Cade Cunningham that I'm certain I am watching a player that will work in the NBA, and we'll we'll get to some of the holes in you know in Mobley's game and maybe some question marks that surround Jalen Suggs. I, I don't really see I, I don't see how Cade Cunningham becomes like is in the league and isn't a starting caliber player for I mean his whole career that's to me that's like his floor like the worst case scenario is he's like your team's fourth best player right unless he has some sort of like tears his ACL or Achilles or something like there's always a world there's always a world where it can go terribly but I mean again I just think about the top prospects we were watching last year and it's like even Anthony Edwards who is somebody I was high on it's like I totally see a world where we're talking about Anthony Edwards five, six years from now, where he's yeah, you know, maybe he's just a six man. Well, that's, Some, that's obviously the, that proved to be wrong, but like, and that's the that's where this when you know compared to when we did this last year, like the top three, the consensus top three last year were Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, and James Wiseman. Right. All three of those guys, I don't care if you like, they had serious like 
Question marks. Question marks. And there's a reason that draft was labeled as a really bad draft is because those three, Wiseman barely played in Memphis and was, you know, nobody knew what he was. <laughs> LaMelo went to Australia and was terrible. And Ant was on a seven-win team at Georgia and shot. So, like, those guys had these enormous red flags. And granted, I would say, I mean, Wiseman was hurt and that's, he was on a little bit different situation there. But obviously, Ball and Edwards turned out a lot better than, you know, their, mm-hmm. the positives outweighed their negatives. I think. For sure. So the difference with these three, I don't see those red flags nearly like we did last year with some of those guys. Right, right. And, and statistically, it showed up too. I mean, Anthony Edwards was a 29% three-point shooter in college on high volume. He looked like he had question marks about his shot. Like, Cade Cunningham was also – a high volume three point shooter and shot forty percent. Yeah, you know, like, and and even you know even Suggs who, like, I mean, kind of has some question marks about his shooting. He's still like a thirty four percent three point shooter and he shot like sixty percent from two. A lot of which are like, right? You know, so it's, yeah, like if we're talking statistically, I mean, there were <laughs> there were obviously huge question marks with James Wiseman stats because they didn't exist. Yeah, and and then yeah, Ant wasn't an efficient player in college, straight up and. And then Lamelo had did not have yeah. good well, clean. We, we would spend numbers. we would spend twenty minutes for each of them talking about the negatives. And here, yeah. like, what, what are we gonna talk about with Kate? Like, what what's like maybe his handle's a little weak or like? Yeah. But like, okay, that move on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I and know. that's what I'm saying. I, I, that's where I started with it. Is like, and it was. It, it it does show up frequently when he's going to the basket. Yeah. That he his handle isn't even tight, or he just has like a little bit of a tendency to go a little east west when what you want him to you know you want yeah. to attack the rim like and and so he's got a little bit of that like float to his game side to side but it's like it's it's tough and we haven't even talked about defense the defense might have been the most I mean I don't know if it was more impressive he's a very good defender yeah, yeah and, I mean, and he gives a shit he gives a shit there were t- there are times that he just would check out off the ball but okay. you can like, you you can, but I think it – I don't know if – it wasn't like the way that LaMelo checked. That's my point, though. Like, back, back to my original point. Like, it's not even close to some of yeah. <laughs> those other guys. So, yeah, I mean, he's he, get, he gives a shit. And when you care that much and you're 6'8", 220 with a 7'1 wingspan, you have no choice but to be good at defense. Right. And he's smart, right? His IQ is all – So, I mean – He's just gonna be a good, like he's gonna be a good on-ball defender. He's gonna be wise off-ball. Like, yeah, that, that is what it is. He's he's, he's gonna get beat by some smaller guards off the dribble mm-hmm. just because he's never gonna be that laterally quick. One one thing that stood out to me, and I don't, you don't really see this very much in the NBA, and I just was curious what your perspective is on. We we, we talk about this all the time in the NBA about you want your and, and high pick and roll action. You want your big to be able to switch onto a guard, right? What would happen a lot in in uh, Oklahoma State's coverage is Cade would be on ball and they would have him switch onto the big in those situations and be fine because he's so big. Like, and he wouldn't get rolled up and crunched. Like, there, it is funny because everyone talks about the, the big. Can the big switch on? Like, yeah. can the guard switch onto the big? And that's, you're <laughs> right. You're don't. spot on. The Cade, yeah, that's the inverse way. It's like, how many guys in the NBA can even do that? Like, Ben Simmons is huge. He can do that. Jimmy Ant, Butler. I mean, Ant might be able to eventually. Right. You just, there just aren't there aren't many of those where that's normally you know that's a way to expose it to particularly if you're going against like uh you know the the bigger centers in the league that are running a ton of you know pick and roll yeah. the Jokic's and stuff like that 
that if Kate is your point of attack defender and he can also have that switch there and hold hold the big for at least, you know, that second for <laughs> for the hedge to come back or whatever, the tag man to come over, all that. Like there's there's a lot of there, there's a there, I don't know if there's a lot of value in it, but it's unique and and it's another added benefit of size. We're gonna feel the benefit of his size offensively. You're gonna feel the annoyance of his wingspan and all those things just on the ball, but he's so big that there's not really a spot defensively where you can't put him. I agree. I actually think all three of these guys are way above average defenders at this point. <laughs> Which again, I, I, I don't know if you d- agree with that. No, I, 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 I do too. And, and we don't, we can't just compare these guys to the top guys in last year's draft. But, right. But it was like the other yeah. thing with Cade. Before we move on, he. There, I don't know if you noticed how many like, and I don't know if this means anything, but how many like big shots he made. Yeah. So I, I looked it up. There's a stat like clutch points. Mm-hmm. He led the NCAA by a lot. <laughs> he had a hundred. I think clutch points are. Games that are five minutes or less within like three within five points, five points. Yeah. And he had 106 points. I was listening to, I was listening to, uh, another draft podcast and they, does they, that mean anything? Like my offer? No, no, I'm going somewhere with that. And, and the, one of the people compared him to a big Damian Lillard. And I was like, that's kind of interesting, right? Like he does, he's so much bigger than Damian yeah. Lillard. They don't look anything alike, but he like that kind of to the clutch point like that's dame right dame led the nba in in that side as well it's just that ability to like not the ability only the ability to get your shot whenever you want but like the the ability to understand your team needs that yeah and kate had that in space i I don't know if you watched the big 12 i think it was a semifinal game against baylor they beat baylor Mm -hmm. in the second half it was the damian lillard where it's like you give dame the ball and everybody else just go rest. And you know he's going to take a three. The defender knows he's going to take a three. And it's probably going to go in. And he had like three or four of those where it was like Gerard Butler and uh, whoever those other – like they're just all Davion Mitchell. And right. he just destroyed them. And, and again, and it's just interesting watching this at the same time. You know, I'm watching film on these guys and then I'm turning on a Nets game or something, you know, that immediately afterwards. And like – that is the stuff in the playoffs in the NBA that is 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 so valuable. It's that its ability to when the NBA deep when your opponent has its five best defenders out there, you don't really have spots to exploit them. They're trying, yeah, in the playoffs as hard as they can. Like you need a guy to just be a shot maker and and hit a step back three. That's like all right, we can't or, guard that or a difficult contested eighteen yeah. footer. You know, like there, there's a place for that in the playoffs. Like clearly, we're seeing that. Well, and if you look at the guys, the quote unquote superstars who have gotten the most heat in the playoffs, it was Giannis for a while for that same reason. Couldn't make free throws, couldn't hit a jumper. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons and beads like beads a different, but that's why the Hawks right. and that's why or that's why the Sixers struggled, and that's why Trey Young's been like I think. And I was texting you about this a couple of nights ago, but. I think like Embiid is probably considered a way better player than Trey Young, like in the regular yeah. season. But in the in a playoff game, like in a game six or seven, I like give me Trey Young or give you know give me the guy who is going to hit. Well, and it's also the guy who can have the ball in their hands. Like I don't think any. Right. I mean, it, it would be a stupid argument by you there if you're if you're trying to tell me that Trey Young is more talented. Than but that's Joel my Embiid. point. That's I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. It's and it's why we'll we'll get to Evan Mobley next. But it, it's part of. When I'm watching Cade 
and you can feel him put his impact on the game whenever he wants because he's a lead ball handler. And then now you start looking at these, you know, a center and Mobley's terrific in, in many ways there too, but we're just getting to an NBA where the importance of having a guy that can have the ball at 30 feet from the hoop call, Hey, I need you to come screen for me and do that. Like, there's just no real denying that that is the most important position in, in the NBA today. And like for me to take Evan Mobley over Cade Cunningham, I don't, I don't even know what I would have to see because you can't. <laughs> you can't, I, yeah. It, and I, I like, I, I, I you know, I, I like Mobley too, but there's, I like Mobley a lot. It, it's just the, it's the, it's the value. It's the value of being able to handle and be able to self create. Yeah. And, Guys like Embiid, they can self-create at, you know, 12 feet. Jokic is different because he does play point guard. But, it you know, for a lot, of, obviously, like, I mean, people make, like, Gobert-Mobley comparisons and stuff there, too. It's like, yeah, what's what's Mobley going to look like in a playoff series three years from now? I mean, he's probably going to be somewhat similar to Gobert, and I'm not trying to take away from Gobert or anything. It's just, I, I guess, to, to put a bow on it with Cunningham is – you know you're going to be able to see him in high leverage situations. He's got a track record of proving it, proving it, and he's so much. He's so big, <laughs> he's so big that it it would be really hard for me outside of an injury. I would be just be stunned if three years from now we're like, huh, Cade hasn't put it together yet. Stunned, right? I, I just no. I, I we're just, on. I think we're on the exact same page. All right, let's get to have Mobley, but first we'll take a quick break. One final reminder that today, Tuesday, June 22nd, that I will be at Forgotten Star Brewery with Britt Robson to watch the NBA lottery. The lottery itself is going down at 7.30, so definitely come and get a seat or some standing room well before that. Let's call it 6 p.m. I'll be there even before 6 p.m., so just come in after work. We'll have a beer, and we'll see how the ping pong balls shake out on lottery night. And then after the lottery happens, Britt and I will do a little live show where we'll talk about whatever the lottery's results are. And then we'll have a third mic. We'll pass it around, and we will take your questions on whatever Timberwolves-related topic you would like us to get into. Again, that's Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley, Minnesota. It's right on the fringe of Northeast. I know Fridley sounds a little bit further away. It's about a 10-minute drive from downtown Minneapolis, so come at 6 p.m. For the event, Forgotten Star has an IPA on tap whose proceeds benefit the Fridley basketball team called the Buzzer Beater Honey IPA, along with a full list of Forgotten Star's other beers on tap. I look forward to meeting many of you tonight at Forgotten Star Brewery in Fridley. Forgotten Star is open at noon, seven days a week. Come hang out. All right, well, moving on to Evan Mobley. Same question to you in what stood out. And spoiler alert, my what stood out is the same thing that stood out with Cade Cunningham, and it's that he's freaking huge. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like he is – I. Th- <laughs> He's he was awesome. I th- and USC was really really good, mm-hmm. and he was the main reason why. And it's rare, I think, for a big guy to have that kind of impact in a guard dominated game. Like I don't what what are his, he's seven one seven foot seven seven foot with a seven five wingspan and two fifteen. I guess I didn't run through Cade's stats specifically, but I'll do Mobley's here quick. Played thirty four minutes a game, sixteen points a game, nine boards, two and a half assists. Assists shot 61.5% from two, 
30% from three, 69% from the free throw line. Um, he's got a, he's got a funky body type because I'm going to read off these names to you and we're going to be like this. We don't want our number two pick to be one of these guys. It's he, he's, he's the basically Nick Claxton ish from physically from, from Brooklyn, who we've seen a lot. Jackson Hayes, that, that, that tall lank, lanky, you know, seven foot guy who's under 220 pounds. Scalabissier was another one. Thon Maker, Christian mm. Wood. Um, Nerlens Noel is the, like the best physical comp. Nerlens Noel was seven foot seven four two oh six. That's the closest one. John Henson and Larry Sanders. So that that was actually helpful for me. Not in in just like this idea that yeah, like he's going to come into the league. He's going to be really big, but he's going to be really skinny. Yeah, and I have a hard time believing like at this time next year he's not going to be two four. 230. Two. Well, his brother, who is a couple years older than Isaiah, think, right? Isaiah two years is, old, yeah. is two years older than him and is 6'10, 235. I, so I have I have a hard time. I mean, I don't know when that he because he looks skinny, but he also doesn't look like he's 250. He doesn't look like he's five pounds lighter than Cade. That's <laughs> yeah, true. And and these are just like the the numbers that are out there now. And actually, the co- the combines going on. I think Mobley's participating. And we'll we'll get some more numbers on it. But I mean, I don't know, man. I, I feel like you're kind of underselling his skinniness. He's pretty skinny. Yeah, and it was. I have in my notes weaknesses is both on offense and defense was strength. Yeah, for sure. Just he took on off. We'll start with his offense. He took. And again, I, I'm really high on him. I like him a lot. I, he took too many like eight footers where he couldn't get to the rim, and he just was like, "I gotta shoot this because I've got the ball in the paint." And it wasn't a layup. It wasn't a hook shot. It was like a little, like well, it was every time that somebody like cut off his path to the rim, he would go to that spin cycle thing, like kind of. It'd be like a spin into like he's driving right, and it'd be a spin into a, like a left hook. So you're still kind of moving north south, but it was any time he he really felt a real kind of wall there from another guy. And that was a little concerning to me because you're going to feel that wall a lot more at the NBA level. Definitely. He's going to, he's going to need to, you know, can he add a Euro into his game there? You know, at, a, at seven foot tall, can he, can he go, can he go up and through that? And I, I think a big problem for him was he, he, he didn't like to shoot threes that much. So he would like pump and go from the perimeter a lot. And he would get called for a lot of charges yeah. in, in those situations. So I think that that kind of slowed him down. But he, he, he's he got guard skill, like in the way he moves and can handle and those sort of things. But he's still figuring out how to navigate that 15 feet to the rim sort of area. What what impressed me the most with him offensively was, he like like we talked about, he struggled with physicality, but he had a feel to the game. Like he some of the... He was a great passer. He knew a lot of bigs, especially young bigs, when they catch it like near the rim, they're kind of clueless and they just think they've got to shoot it. He was patient. He saw the floor well. He passed. So you put him in. We call I don't know. Everyone refers to it as like the the bam spot, you know, or right. like you, the short roll and you play off that. I think he's going to be really good um, in that spot. What do you think? It, You're not. You don't like him as much as I do. I don't like him as much as you do. I but but I mean. What I love about him is I think he's going to be elite an elite defense. defensive player. Yeah, but but we're talking about offense right now, and I I didn't like him in pick and roll in the decision making in pick and roll game really at all. And I think at the NBA level again, that's what you're going to be asked to do. He didn't set screens and he popped. And a lot of this is coaching. He popped to like 
18 feet all the time where he popped to like high school threes. And, and I think he was more comfortable shooting his jump shot from that sort of range, but he's not a great shooter, not even really a good shooter yet. So, so I have some concern about like, all right, are you going, when are you going to be able to shoot NBA threes and how well are you going to be able to shoot those? And what I found myself doing was, and I'm curious what your opinion would be on this, is I went and looked at uh, Wiseman, like his three-point attempts in the few games he took yeah. there in his stroke. And a big reason, I mean, you, you had Wiseman number one on your board. A, a big reason we both had, we, we were high on Wiseman, was that we did believe that, one, he was going to be this awesome defensive center eventually, and that, two, offensively, he wouldn't just be a rim lob threat, but that we believed in his stroke. And as I'm here with Mobley, that literally today I went back and I just watched all the spot up situations and I, I'm not, I'm not into the jumper and, and I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but like he, he's, he strikes me as like a guy who's going to take wide open threes and I want my dynamic number two overall pick center to be a guy who you're like confident in like grab it and fire from three and and he's no I mean he's nowhere near that right now as far as a perimeter shooter goes right not right now I actually like his stroke though okay it's hard to it's without if you haven't seen him shoot it's hard to like talk about form over a podcast but I think it's he shot 70 percent from the line which I think is solid um I don't know I thought he looked comfortable shooting he didn't shoot a bunch of them but I thought the ones he did shoot looked comfortable and maybe this is where we're off and we we're not on the same page i mean you're a basketball coach and i'm a podcaster so i trust your perspective on that more than than mine i like his stroke better than i liked wiseman's stroke and i was convinced that wise i still am i still think wiseman's going to be solid and i i think that's interesting because i literally i i got i i went and looked back after after we record let's let's go like pull them both up and, and watch them side by side i i I don't know. Maybe it's the lefty. You know, it just looks a little bit more natural or something. It also just like piss. I, what USC? Where they played like two centers. It was Always. the same thing last year with Okongwu and the Rakosevich yeah. guy or whatever. And so you got you got Mobley. They just play like very '90s NBA basketball style, where right. the guys like yeah, their coaches like pop for to 17 feet. I might and, be I might be a little bit blinded. By the fact that he and I don't know if this is playing into why I like he does have really good guard skills. Like if yeah. you ever watched him in high school, where the coach clearly was like, "Dude, go, go do whatever you want." <laughs> where USC, it's obviously way yeah. more structured, but he handles it well. Like he creates. Like in high school, he played. He played like, again, don't take this the wrong way. He played like Durant almost, where they right. just let him go one on one, pull up, do whatever, and that's where I think. In a couple of years from now, I think he's going to have a reliable shot. So, if because I, I I don't even I don't want to put this on any player and say that their ceiling is Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis, but if if things work out well for Evan Mobley three years from now, when he's we were like, oh, he's on his way to being like an All Star player, like is he does his game more resemble Kevin Durant or does it more resemble Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis probably. That's what I think too, and that's also part of not 
like not really having as much belief in his shot and Katie's like maybe the best shooter in the NBA. That's why I and, can't compare anybody to Katie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you were just talking about it. So. Yeah, no, I know. But I, I, in context, as far as letting but, him do whatever. But I think t- this is me now leaning into like believing in like Anthony Davis is not a great shooter. Like, no, still right now. And you can't actually when Anthony Davis is playing and I'm like, man, AD, you seems like you're trying to be Durant. Like that's, right. you know, that's not you. And when AD is playing the five, when he is attacking the rim, when, when his goal is to go through you, not over you, like he's an absolute monster. And, and I think that is like the, to me, that's the idealized version of Evan Mobley. And I mean, God, how much weight has Anthony Davis put on right. since he was in college? Like, I'm not too freaked out. I'm not too freaked out about him being skinny or anything right now, whatever. He's 19 years old. He's gonna, you know, he good weight training and all those sort of things. I mean, it's, he's going to the NBA. Um, I just want to, you know, I want to see him use that, use that strength. Like let's, when we set screens, let's put the body on a guy, you know, let's, let's go through people. But I think the real thing we haven't touched on though, is is that probably because of the high school point, he's a great passer, great passer. And, and I think, I think that will go along with, we were talking about the BAM thing, but even just like, the BAM is the short roll thing, right? And I think he'll learn to do that because they won't let him shoot like those 12-foot floaters that he was taking in college. I'm going to say, as soon as that happens, you got to swing it to the strong side corner. Like, that's yep. what your job is. And I think... You notice that too, though, those like weird in-between shots where it was like, don't shoot that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's classic college. Like, yeah. Um, I, I'm interested to see him as like an off-the-dribble live ball passer. And it's like, man, how many seven foot dudes? That's part of the reason I really am high on him. Yeah, I that that's the that's the offensive you know weapon that I see in him. I think though, I think this is going to take a while with him. And it does with bigs though, right? I know. If you go look, there's obviously, and that, this is where I think it's important that people, and I do it too. But like, if just because Wiseman had a down year last year, and I'm right. using Wiseman as an example because he's the most recent, but like. Embiid wasn't great. Jokic wasn't great. Even like, a Kangu in the he's, now he's it just takes, now it takes bigs longer than so any other much position. longer. Yep. And so yeah, like when when we're like part of it isn't what are they going to be in two years? Like if I'm if I'm betting on who's going to be rookie of the year, like I wouldn't he's I wouldn't even think about taking a guy like Mobley. But you're looking when he's 26 years old and he's been in the league for six years, which is interesting from the Wolves' perspective, though, right? Of like. Again, to if they're Houston, it's like, well, let's take Evan Mobley and you know him and Christian Wood. I guess are our front court. We'll see. Well, we got time for that to figure out. But if you're the Wolves, you know, you kind of gotta, kind of gotta go now or like pretty soon. If it's gonna take Evan Mobley, you know, three years to be a positive player or like a discernibly positive player, um, it, it was the. And then this is a whole kind of separate podcast, but my view before watching all of these these top five prospects was that they're all going to be like day one. You're going to draft them. You're going to start them the first game of the season, and it's not going to take long until they're a positive contributor on the team. You know, just from what I'd read and the, the games I had watched here and there, that was my expectation. But I watched Evan Mobley, and, I mean, listeners know I've got this whole, like, fetishized idea of like you need to move cat to the four and you need a rim protector and i've 
like archetypically liked that idea of bringing an Evan Mobley to be. Do your, you still like? Are you still on that pay on on board with it? I'm no, <laughs> because because I don't think Evan Mobley is going to be good. I'm just saying in general, right away. I don't think Evan Mobley is going to be good right away. I am in general. I like like I like that idea of sliding cat to the floor. I, I think that. I'm intrigued by it. I don't. I'm not like pounding the table like it's going to for sure work. I'm intrigued by that idea. Evan Mobley is going, to, and we need, should talk more about his defense. Is going to be an elite defender in this league, I think, or for sure has the potential to be that. But I watched him, and I'm like, I don't think Evan Mobley will be very good as a rookie in the NBA. And and that brings in some timeline questions for some of these teams. Houston, Oklahoma City. Who cares? You know take your bet, you know, shoot your shot that, you know, he's going to be the best player five years from now. That's what really, really matters. But the Wolves are kind of in this, in this spot where it's like, you know, they already did it. They already did that with Ant last year. It's like, okay, we developed this guy this year and, uh, you know, now we're seeing how it's going. I just kind of feel like the juncture that the Wolves are at, I would be, it would make a lot more sense in my head to draft a more NBA ready player, like immediately ready Cade. And I think, so I don't know if I'll end up with Suggs or Mobley on above or below each other, but who's going to be better in the league next year? I think it's Suggs and it's probably not even really close between him and Mobley in my head. Yeah. And I think hearing that though, people are going to say, well, you you're down on Mobley. I think when I hear that, that's more of a big guys are just, Slow developers. They just take longer, no matter who it is. I, I was thinking about this. It's there, like there's the exception. Like you're gonna get the ads and even cat. Like, were these like generational type guys? Right. The guy they were good right away. Pretty much right away is from centers. If you call ad a center, ad yes, Embiid, Jokic, and Cat. Like as rookies, they were good right away. But then, but you if you look at Jokic's stats, yeah, that's true. And he didn't really start. So maybe take take Jokic. I would out take of Jokic out of it. Okay, take Jokic out of it. But. But then you move down to the next best centers in the league, the Clint Capellas, the Bam Adebayos. Like, that took those guys – like, they were not impactful right away as a rookie. It took certainly took Capella a couple of years. Who I'm, who else am I blanking on? Gobert, even Gobert, yeah. you know? Like, so, so there's the elite, elite centers in the league are immediately impactful, and I think that next tier, tier two of those guys, um, you know – that that's that's going to take some time, and that's if I'm, you know, doing a I think a reason like a reasonable ceiling, not like ceiling ceiling, because I think Evan Mobley has like everything works. He does have Anthony Davis potential, but you know, a more realistic ceiling. You I think do it's think probably, he has that potential. I, I think you could. We're talking like not, close to his hundredth. Yeah, that'd be like right. ceiling ceiling. I think more a more realistic ceiling. But while still optimistic, is that Bam out of bio range, that yeah. different style of player, Clint Capella type range. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. the, the, I think, the fifth best center in the league. Yeah. And I think that's actually, like, if you said, will Evan Mobley be an all star? Yes or no? I would say 100%. I would, my yes. pick would be yes. Um, I think with, I mean, the Anthony Davis, like, and I know you're not like predicting this, but he, he was maybe. Like if you were to look at the last twenty years yeah, and the, pick pick your three best, it'd be like LeBron and AD and Zion. Maybe it's right. like guys who are so. Unless you're that kind of big, like yeah, you're probably not going to be, you know, 
doing a whole lot your first well, couple of years. I, and and th- this is what we should say. The reason to even consider that is because there's a world where Evan Mobley is as good defensively. Or is like, I don't want to say all, go all the way to Anthony Davis. There's like a world where three years from now, Evan Mobley is close to as good defensively as Anthony Davis is. Yeah, defensively, yeah, for sure. Defensively, just not just on that side of the ball, which provides Do you want to get a to his real deep, sturdy floor. Yeah. Go. <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's just he's a, he's an elite he's yeah. an elite rim protector he, in a league. The that only needs time it. the only time he struggled is when a guy was just physically stronger than he was and just knocked him out. You know, knocked him out of the play. And you know, assuming he can put on 15, 20, 25 pounds, take those instances out, he's going to be awesome. The other thing I liked about him, I don't know if you were going to talk about this, USC played a bunch of different ball screen coverages. They would switch. He would drop. He would hedge. Like he did every one of them, and he did every one of them pretty damn well. I was I was excited for that because I remember that with a Kongwu last year. Yeah, where you really got to like. I think that's why a lot of people got into a Kongwu was this idea of like, <laughs> not that he wasn't going to be a modern big, but we, you saw him playing like an NBA big at the college level, and again, in a diverse set of coverages where a lot of these teams, you know, it's, right. it's not, you're not, teams aren't getting very creative defensively at the college level. And yeah, so with Mobley, it, it was the same thing. And I'm like, he, he's not, he's not the type of guy that you're going to be able to like, quote unquote, play off the floor. Right. That's like, he is like what happened to Gobert against Terrence Mann and stuff like that. Like, that's not going to matter because he has, you're not taking him off the floor for in a playoff game because he's a liability defensively, right. defensively, and and you know, which is the the weird sort of catch twenty two with with Gobert where I don't that's a the whole sort of separate thing. Gobert is more of Gobert can move a little bit on can move pretty well on the perimeter, but obviously he has these tendencies to be at the rim. I think you want Mobley at the rim, but he's not gonna. It's not he's gonna be able to switch and he's gonna be able right. to guard. Big wings. There was one play. I don't know if you saw this. I think it was at maybe Washington where switched on to a little guard. Little guard clearly did the whole like clear out. Like <laughs> I got him. Mobley cut him off going left. He backed it out. Yeah. Mobley cut him off going right. Then he kicked it to the dude that Mobley was guarding before. That guy f- jumped at the pump fake three. Mobley then wrote wrote it over to re-guard his guy and blocked like the one dribble pull up. It was I watched the play like three or four times and I was like, that was one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen in my life. I know exactly. He actually blocked so many jump shots. Yes. <laughs> which is funny. he averaged two point eight blocks a game and like a f- one point eight fouls. Really, I didn't know the foul thing. Which is. Hmm. Which is pretty and, ridiculous, dude, and I bet you one of half of those were offensive because I felt like got a charge yeah. every game. <laughs> so to have that many blocks without getting in fouls right. is 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 really good. You don't so you don't have any like concerns about him like physically, even if he if he does put on those twenty pounds, like you Not know really. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's He's sometimes those guys feet in, tall with a seven five. I, I know, I know, I know. I, I didn't. Put it this way: I liked what Kongu last year. This Mobley would make a Kongu look like. Tiny, tiny, true. I guess he just kind of like it's kind of like with with like Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin like kind of let guys push him around a little bit. I don't know if that's a high center of gravity or whatever yeah. it was. It just seemed like they were that was more easier. And and I was watching that. And I'm like, okay, what? Like this guy's an awesome. Mobley's an awesome defender. 
He's going to put on weight, but is he always going to kind of be that guy that's the nail, not the hammer? And I, I got on the interior. And so that's, that's not really that important unless he's guarding Joel Embiid, unless he's guarding Jokic, unless he's you know guarding Cat. Like those are the guys who are going to really be able to punish that. But I, I'm just curious to see if he'll ever be able to really check those guys. Or like, you know, Capella got pushed around at the beginning of that Sixers series, but then really started holding his own, you know, against against him, which is a hell of a task, you know, yeah. to be able to do that. Can can Evan Mobley will Evan Mobley be able to you know to do that ever? And and I don't know. Maybe that's a. I just think I would bet on the 19 year old who's seven feet tall, fair moves like moves the way he does. Like I'd be shocked if he doesn't. Right. Get significantly stronger. Yeah, yeah. No, nope, and I if do, he doesn't, then he's not going to be very good. But do you get good. what I'm saying? That's not. I, I'm not saying that I think he's not going to get stronger. What I'm questioning or wondering a lot about is is if he's going to apply that strength well. Those yeah. are kind of different things. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think that's a fair concern. But like, like you just said, Clint Capella got dominated by him earlier, and then I think yep. you said he's like the sixth best center in the league. So like, <laughs> I think there's a path where. <laughs> He can also like <laughs> Embiid can abuse him, and he also can be very good still. Um, Ready to move on to Suggs? Yeah. All right, let's take another quick break. The NBA playoffs are here, and this summer's betting action is heating up with my friends over at BetUS. And with the UFC, MLB, golf, Summer Olympics, and football season all just right around the corner, you need a sports book with great payouts. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses and every kind of bet type you could dream of. BetUS has been a pioneer in online betting for over 25 years and prides itself on being America's favorite sports book. So take advantage of this action-packed summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com or call 1-800-69-BETUS. And receive 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. And if you miss tip-off, you still want to bet on the game, that's not a problem. At BetUS, you can bet live all the way up to the final buzzer. And if you want to bet on anything else, if you want to bet on the NFL, they already got their week one lines up ready for you to bet on. There's blackjack, you can spin the reels. There are all sorts of hundreds of games in the BetUS casino as well. I bet at BetUS, and so should you. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, well, Jalen Suggs, same question. What stood out to you? A lot. Of, I mean, a lot again. Obviously, the Minnesota connection. I've watched. I've watched Jalen Suggs play since he was in like seventh grade. Yeah. Um, it a while. Haven't seen him lose many, many basketball <laughs> games. Um, I mean, he's unbelievable. Like he's. I was talking with with a buddy of mine, and we were going through like the best Minnesota high school players ever. That mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think there's a good chance that Jalen's going to be the best. I mean, Chet's behind him, obviously, but I think for what Jalen's done at this point already, like he's been you know dominant at every level he's played at, and 
Um, who, so is, who's the other? Who's who else is up there in Minnesota? Who else I mean, is on the top? Tyus and Trey are both. So that's interesting because the first time I ever watched Jalen Suggs was um, there was an ESPN game at Apple Valley. It was Trey Jones's senior year, and they were there to you know highlight Trey Jones as one of the best players in the country, and they're playing Minnehaha, and I'm I'm there to write a story on on Trey Jones, and I'm watching this game, and I'm. At that time, Jalen Suggs is a sophomore, and I swear it was the same size he was right now. And I like emailed my editor, and I was like, "Can I write? Can I write about Jalen Suggs instead?" Because in that game, I mean, Suggs outplayed him as a sophomore, and and Trey was, as you just said, was in the senior year of potentially being the best high school basketball player in the state of Minnesota ever, and. You know, that was only kind of the beginning for Suggs of – I mean, not that he hadn't been on the map before that, but he just – it just was so striking to me at 15, 16 years old that he had, the, as everyone will say, this football body and has just grown into it as a basketball player to play with just an insane amount of force. It's It really is amazing. And, you know, it's funny because, like, for me, having watched him, uh, probably a lot of people who've, who have listened to this probably have watched him too, like – you kind of think of him like just in the, in the context of like Minnesota. Like obviously he's a lot more athletic than the guys he plays against. You know, a little more athletic than Tyus. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then you watch him in college, and you're like, he is so explosive, he is so skilled, and he's his IQ is unbelievable. Right. You know what I mean? And when you have those three things, like you're smart, you're super athletic, and you're super skilled. It's just like it, he's he's unbelievable. And so, do you see him at the next level? And maybe this is a stupid question. Like, do you see him for sure being like the point guard of his team? And he is the you know that is he is clearly a point guard for his fifteen year NBA career, and that's the position he plays. I don't know. I think it all depends where he goes. I could see a path where that is the case, but I could also see a path where. You know, you're watching these playoffs, and it's like there's two. They play two point. Like teams play two point guards, and it's totally. kind of like I don't know what. I mean, he's. I would say, yeah, it'd probably from, be good to be from a size time. standpoint. I think he's built like a perfect point guard in the NBA. Right. He's going to be a little bit small if he's a two. Um, but again, I don't know how much. I don't know how much that matters. Yeah. Well, let me. I'll read off his size stuff because that that was interesting. He's six foot four, six foot six wingspan. So it's not that long a wingspan. Two hundred and five pounds. That's basically Dante DiVincenzo size, uh, Gary Harris, uh, Victor Oladipo is kind of like that, a little bit longer. Has a, Oladipo's a six nine wingspan. It's kind of like CJ McCollum, Austin Rivers, Bradley Beal's a little bit bigger than that. Kind of John Wall, actually Jalen Noel on the Timberwolves is almost that size exactly. So I'm thinking about that, and I'm watching him play some, and I don't have any concerns about him being able to guard other twos in the league. Like he'll be, obviously he'll be fine guarding ones in the league. Um, I don't have concerns about him being able to guard twos in the league. What I'll be curious to see is him being guarded by other wings in the league. Those at, it's like when we were listing off the dudes who are Cade Cunningham size. It's a lot of you know. There's a lot of those Jimmy Butler's, Paul George's, Covingtons that they're going to put on you on the ball. And you know, if you're if you're Jalen Suggs, you have a six six wingspan. 
and you're getting guarded by guys with seven foot plus wingspans, which will frequently happen in the NBA. Um, you know that, that not an impossible challenge, but that there'll be there'll be a challenge to that for him to be able to again not guard other twos, but to be guarded by them. Um, you know, I, I'll be if I see you know it'd be one of those things if I see him like Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell's not that big, but it's proven his athleticism has proven to make up for any lack of height or length he he might not have. Where do you think do you think Jalen will be like an elite NBA athlete? Yeah, like just in in terms maybe not like elite elite, but like up there. Yeah. Is that where where you came down? I on think it? so. I mean I Yeah, I think he will be. <laughs> He's it's like and it goes back to the I don't kind of dumb conversation of how do we define athleticism, right. you know? Uh, and which is, is honestly something I've thought about a lot this year with Ant and like, cause Ant is kind of like athletic in all the ways you can be athletic. You can be vertically athletic and you can be like powerfully athletic. And I think Suggs has that powerful ath- athleticism that I think we saw him in college use to be able to score at all three levels. And then I really loved it. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but I loved the way he used his athleticism and strength defensively. And he really, yes. in a weird, I, I don't know, this might just be a kind of weird comparison, but on both sides of the ball, he reminded me a lot of Marcus Smart as just like a, a competitor. And you remember Marcus Smart in college, like he was kind of, he and Marcus Smart plays some point guard in the NBA now too, where he was like the lead guard for, for his team and, and, kind of came out thinking he was going to be that and now has kind of moved into this combo-ish role and and I could I could see you know I could see Jalen Suggs kind of existing in that world hopefully he can end up being a better shooter than Marcus Smart I think I actually think that's a pretty good comparison the only difference is I just think he's such his IQ is so off the charts offensively as far Mm -hmm. as how he sees the floor and how he passes where I think his game offensively defensively I think I mean, that's a great comparison. Marcus Smart's awesome on defense. <laughs> right. But offensively, I think he's just got such a unique feel for the game. And he's had that, you know, you kind of, it's mm-hmm. a little bit like Tyus. I think Tyus, sure. Tyus gets praised for it because he's not as athletic. So it's like, how is he this good? Well, it's his IQ. I actually think Jalen's IQ is not that different from Tyus's. Ty- Jalen just has this a lot unbelievable more pack, athleticism yeah. to go with it. Um, so I don't know. I, again, I, I've been high on the first two guys. I'm super, I, I, I have no reason to believe that Jalen isn't going to be really good in the NBA. Um, what do you feel about his shot? This is me just, and I, I don't know. I've never met him. This isn't out of no inside, whatever. I think it looks good. I don't know how much time he spent shoot working on a shot. He's, he's an unbelievable athlete. He's obviously really coordinated. His mechanics, to me, look really good. I don't know how much time he's just spent in a gym shooting a basketball. Because his whole life, he's been... Which the, isn't even... You're not even ripping him. That's to say what he's probably been doing every single day for the past three months is just which getting I, up shots. Correct. Which I also think it's pretty... If, if my theory is right, it's also pretty impressive how good of shooter relatively he, he's been. Mm-hmm. Um which is basically he's the, played football on yeah. the basketball court. He's just dominated everyone because he jumps Physically. over people and he runs past. But so if he's been in the gym the last three months and he's going to be now that it's his full time job with 
his hand-eye coordination, I think, is awesome. His mechanics are good. I think he could be a, like a really good shooter in the NBA. I'm a like I would. I'm high on his shot. It, it's interesting because that's the that's the next. If he reaches his peak in the NBA, it's a requirement is that he is able to play in high ball screen action and punish a dropping big and be able to pull up for three and not even be decent at it. Like he's going to have to be knock like a knockdown shooter. Right. Which he is for sure. Not right now. And, but again, 19 and I think I I totally get what you're saying there, but if, if he's again, maybe for the first time in his life, certainly from NBA distance running, you know, getting up 500 of those a day, just someone set the high screen and I'm going to come up and pull from 23 feet. Like, that that's what changes these guys. This is what changes these guards in the league, particularly when, and he isn't gigantic. No. So he's going to need to be special athletically, special intellectually, and somewhat special in his shot to be a superstar. What did you think of the form? It it was, it was kind of weird. It, it, It was a little forward, like in, in, in his release, like very far in front of his body. But then sometimes it was like I don't one think of he those, shot the same way every time. I, thought was, I was gonna say that too because sometimes when he didn't have much time to shoot, it almost looked better. Like where I don't know if he wasn't wasn't thinking about it or he's just like I created my space and I'm just gonna, like gonna get this up. Um, I, I kind of liked it. Then sometimes it's always it's always weird. Like should I be judging you on how you shoot wide open jump shots or should I be judging you about how you shoot jump shots on? you know, on the move. And that's probably different based on your position. It's never or a good thing when you even have to have that conversation though. Cause right there is a, but, big, but that was totally a thing with ant last year. Remember? Right. We were like, he, this dude could shoots completely different in catch and shoot situation than he does when it's off the bounce. Right. Yeah. And that proved, I mean, I think ant proved to be a better shooter than for sure. than you and I both thought, but that was a, that's a very fair concern. I mean, he shot 27% for <laughs> yeah. a reason. Right. Like, because there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. a difference in it. Like, so, yeah, I think if you're even having that conversation, as far as if you don't shoot the same way every time, mm-hmm. but right there is a red flag for sure. Right. And he shot, so he shot 34% from three this year on three and a half threes per game, 75% from the line. So, I mean, statistically, you're pointing towards a player who's, probably not trending towards being a knockdown guy in the league. But the other part of it was he was really good from the mid-range area there as a shooter, you know, with a with a floater, but also just as, like, coming up and pulling from there. He shot, again, he shot, like, 60% from two. So From two, but the pull-up, he took he only took 17 pull-up shots. Right, but if you include the floaters. The floaters, he was off. The floaters right. were. Right. That That's his – that's where he can kind of – it, it, it kind of like John Morant, right? Like even like you don't need Jalen Suggs to be an absolute knockdown guy. You need him to be someone who does take the shots. Like I don't know what did Josh shoot this year? Like thirty three percent or something. Like he's not. You don't think of John Morant as a knockdown shooter, but what happened in that playing game, right? Like right. he outshot the Warriors to get him there. Like be a guy, be a guy who will shoot even if you don't consistently. Hit and- it. And I think what Ja has, and, and maybe Jalen can get this, is when you're that athletic, every single one of your threes is going to be the same three you take in an open gym. Right. Nobody around you because everyone – like, they're going to give you space. Sure. And so if Jalen can be that kind of athlete where um, 
They're giving them space. They're giving them space, and it's literally just you're shooting the shot, the same shot you shoot in empty gyms. Then I think you can be, you know, a pretty solid shooter. Right. We're, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not ruling out like upside potential on it at all. I'm just, you know, it, it's not. He does everything else well. He passes well. He's really competitive well. He finishes at the rim well. Like this, I think for me. My my only two questions about any part of his game would be how will the jump shot translate? And then two, how will he be able to finish around the rim when he's going through guys? That's my biggest concern is when you put a six, nine, two guard on him. Mm -hmm. I, cause I'm a believer in the shot. I do think when you put Paul George on him or when you put name your six, eight shooting guard and you know, they give him a step with a hand up and it's like, he doesn't shoot it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I, totally I think I think that's where it's going to come down to. If he's an elite athlete, it's not going to matter because he'll go by him. Right. Um, and I guess that's because that's like the. I remember Robert Covington here, right? And everyone's like, "Oh, he's this he's this great defender," and it's like, yes, Robert Covington is a great defender, but not if you're an elite athlete. Like he he's he's gonna you're going to blow by him like an elite athlete's going to blow by him. Robert Covington's an elite. He's got great hands and he plays really well in space. Like a lot of those six, nine guys we're talking about that were like, Oh, they might be able to swallow up Jalen. Well, Jalen's gonna be like, you got to catch me first. Right. And, and I think I, I probably more likely than not, as I think the, the, the defender will have the issue in being able to keep up with his athleticism. But you know, it's it's one of those things where early on, right, the first year, again, I'll point to Ant. Ant was shooting like 40% from two in the first half of the season. And it's because he had no idea what how to finish. Was. And he didn't know what a good shot was either. Right, and he had no idea how to finish through a seven-footer. Right. It was like Jared Allen would jump up at the rim, and Ant was like, Whoa, I've never seen this before. Right. I don't I don't have, like, the craft there. Like, Suggs, I think, has – I mean, Suggs has a much more developed game coming out of college than Anthony Edwards does. And he's got a way higher IQ. Yeah. At least, I mean. Basketball IQ, yeah. If you, this is a little bit off topic, if if you were to redraft last year with these guys eligible, how do you think, how do you, not how, what would you take, how do you think the draft would go? So just the six, call it the six. The three we just did and then. Wait, do we know about what happened to Lamelo and Ant? Yeah, and Wiseman. Okay, so not them as prospects. I think you. I think you take. How would you Lamello, draft the six today? Well, Lamelo and Ant will go one and two because they're already knowns. They're already knowns of, like, the any question marks we have about that we went through with Mobley and some of these question marks we're going through. So with, who's one? With Suggs. I'm getting pretty close to Ant. Like, I mean, I've been on Lamelo. Melo was number one on my board the whole time. Um, it's just once you see with Anthony Edwards this idea that he has the full offensive package that they're. It's pretty. It seems pretty likely that there's going to be a world where offensively there's nothing he can't do. I and, don't disagree. And as much as I like Lamelo, like the the athleticism is is nowhere near there there are things he will not be able to do like just at the rim you know 
LaMelo Ball for his entire career is going to have to be crafty around, you know, around the rim to, to score. You know, that's – and so what she's so, so, gun to your head, you would still take LaMelo over Cade for the next 12 years. Yeah, I that I would just take the would you the, I would that to me that the logic of it's this thing we've already seen. I think we saw, I think we saw Lamelo Ball play twenty five thirty games this season before he got hurt at a legit All Star level as one of the twelve best players in the Eastern Conference. I think he was already at really? that level. Yeah, but Eastern Conference and at that time, I think if he came off the bench at like the first 20 games of the season or whatever. And, right. and the, I, I think LaMelo was playing at an all-star level. And you can make an argument that Ant, the last 22 games of the season, now I know clearly the voters and some other people want to like diminish that, that those games didn't matter. But Ant was playing at pretty close to an all-star level at the, yep. at the end of the season as well too. So do I think Cade Cunningham will be an all-star in this league? Yes. But I feel like I know that Lamelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, like, because I've seen it. You know, I've, yeah, I've seen fair. it before. But this could also look super dumb if Cade Cunningham's the next LeBron James. I'm like, oh no, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah. Where where would you go on that? I would have Ant ahead of, and I don't watch the. I mean, you watch way more, NBA, but I would I hope so. I would, I would have Ant ahead of Lamelo, but I think, I just think. Like, so we, we have the same list. Ant, LaMelo, Cade, no. I just think – I keep going back to had Cade been in last year's draft, even out of high school, yeah, it would have been Cade without even thinking. So – That's totally fair. And, yeah, Ant and LaMelo were, were good this year, better than expectations, I would say. But I – I don't know. I – it'd be hard. I don't even know who I would pick between Ant and LaMelo. I think I would probably go a slight, slight edge to Cade, just because I still think his uh, his upside is still higher than right. And then I would go Ant, then I would go Lamelo, and then who we got left. We got Mobley, Suggs, and Wiseman. Yeah, I'm curious who your fourth one would be. I still think Wiseman's gonna be really good. I think Wiseman. The Warriors were clearly trying to win. We just talked about how big mm-hmm. guys develop a lot slower. He played only three games, and like he was gonna be a project no matter what. He just happened to fall on a team that was clearly trying to win, and they couldn't really spend the time to develop him like a lot of other teams would. So I would probably have Wiseman four, and then I, I, you could convince me either way on Suggs and Mobley. Is there any part of you – we'll wrap on this. Is there any part of you with Jalen Suggs where you go we're, we're overvaluing him some due to what he – did in the tournament like in the ways that you know historically the the Johnny Flynn's right who has the the huge the huge game at Madison Square Garden like some of those like Duke and North Carolina guys who are on like the big stage there's there's an element as weird as it sounds like Gonzaga is you know like one of those programs right now where they're just way more in the public eye it's a part of me feels like Jalen Suggs is like a 22 year old you know that's played at Duke for like four years or something I mean I don't think so because to me, yeah, the shot against UCLA was is what right. everyone was going to remember. But to me, it's like the game against Iowa, yeah, where he had like he had like nine three and just and I I think it was number one and two in the country at that time, mm-hmm. and he just 
and that was like in November or early December or right. something. So to, for me, and I've made it a point to watch a lot of Gonzaga games because I was curious to see what sucks. To me, it wasn't the tournament, really. I don't think he was even that great in the tournament. Like the Baylor game, mm-hmm. I thought he was right. – the national championship game, I thought he was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think he played well at all. He got two quick fouls. Like he just – I didn't think he was great at all in that game. Um, so, no, I, I don't think – maybe some people will, but for me it's the games he had early in the season were what made him – Right. The, the film's just as good – like the film was good all year. Yes. Right. And that that's what – because I kind of went in expecting some of that, but as, you know, you dig further and further through synergy or you go through these things, you're like, no, the, the same things I liked that I saw in the tournament – Obviously, it's not all buzzer beaters and stuff. It's the consistency. I, I mean, what I love about Suggs is, you know, the competitive nature. Um, like, I think he went at it because what was it? It was like him and Garza were like two of the best players in the country. Like, I think he's one of those guys. He's like got a little bit of Russell Westbrook to him. And I know that sounds like a bad thing. But like, you know what I mean? It's like he wants to wreck you and believes he's better than you. And, and I, again, I saw that that first time I watched him play when he was 16 – against Trey Jones. It's like, oh, you guys are all here to watch Trey Jones. Like, I got I got something for you too. And just as a, a fan, I guess, like or somebody evaluating these people, it's you want to believe in those type of guys. There are some guys you also and this is to me the tiest comparison. There are some guys you just don't really want to bet against. Yeah. And I think he like he kind of falls in that mode where it's right. like, if I'm not sure, just look at his track record and just Go down, you know, go down swinging, betting on a guy like that. Right. And so, I don't know. I think, no, I, yeah, I think he's got a chance to be really good. Yeah, I think with all all three of these guys, and I guess I was maybe a little bit lower than you were on Mobley, but I think we're, like we were saying, there's not the red flags. There's not the red flags that we, that we felt there were with LaMelo and Ant and Wiseman and Hal Burton and a lot of the other yeah. you know, top prospects in the class, pretty much every one of those we could say, this is, this is glaring. And to me, of these three guys, the closest thing I got to a red flag is I have some concerns about Mobley's shot, a little bit about his physicality, but not really. And then with Suggs, a little bit about his shot, but I'm not – it's weird. I, I'm, oddly, I'm oddly more bothered. Like you were saying, I'm a little bit more – concerned about his size than I am about him being able to be a passable shooter in the league. Cause even like Luca, like Luca doesn't need to make 40% of his threes right. to be a dynamic shooter in the league. Right. It's like, it's the threat of it, of him being able to do it. If you give him space. Right. And yeah, I think that's what we're I'm for. more worried that he would turn into like the Austin rivers type where it's like, cause Austin rivers was a pretty good athlete. Yeah. And then it's like, well, when you're only, only in quotes, six, four, you might be a really good athlete in college, but now you're going up against grown men who are six eight. Like, right. so that's that's my one worry with with Jalen. Um, so, I don't know. Well, let's uh, let's do Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga next. Yep, we'll hit those two um, for next week. Perfect. We'll see. By then, we'll know who's drafting where, which is seems kind of crazy. I tomorrow really don't night. don't have my head wrapped around that. Yeah, you're gonna come tomorrow night, right? Absolutely. Dope. Everybody, you gotta come meet Will DeBerg. You can follow Will on Twitter at wdeberg14. Um, I appreciate you doing these. These are always fun. It's a, again different part of the brain, and I think think I get a 
learn things from you in in the process of it because you know it's it is this this does take a coaching eye i think to kind of uh, assess these players yeah but again you know the nba game better than i do so you can t- you can watch guys and that's why i think not to keep this going but lamel like that's why you're spot on with lamelo the, the big guard the see the floor all that and i obviously was not high on him um <laughs> mostly for, because his film was trash yeah i thought he and, sucked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well that's will i'm dane uh until I'll, I'll i'll see you all at forgotten star brewery tomorrow night if you're coming and then i will have a pod probably on wednesday reacting to whatever happens in the lottery and we'll start we'll kind of start sharpening the view of what the timberwolves can do for the for the rest of this offseason so until then he's will i'm dane peace out Feeling better, hope it never stops, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah